Williams. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. <laughs> Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Paulie. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Did you enjoy the Pete and John show yesterday? Oh, yes. Lots of sugar. Your favorite song, (laughs) Pour Some Sugar on Me. Pete was pouring some sugar on all the subtle little digs that he might have been throwing Russell Wilson's way. Brock, Mm. what was your biggest takeaway from what they had to say yesterday? Yeah, I thought Pete vacillated between, you know, Moore and I were just chatting about this before I jumped on with you guys, and I think she nailed it. I'll steal her, steal her point. I think, I think he vacillated between this was made up by the media and the media made it a much bigger deal, and also making sure that Russell knew, like, hey, you know, this is not the way that we operate. Just, just shut it down. You don't need to spark the fire Bruce Springsteen style. So I, I thought he, you know, he kind of played both of those cards, the Richard Sherman card on one side of it. This never really happened kind of similarly to the Seth Wickersham article from years ago nope this is all contrived this is all made up this is not real this is you know much media made it much bigger than it actually is but then you also saw I think a little bit of just humanity and honesty of you know and, and you have to when you deal with a quarterback it's different than Richard it's different than a nose tackle it's it's you know the face of your organization and making it clear that you know there really wasn't much advantage gain something that we talked about through that entire process what are you really gaining from doing this and making this public? And certainly the biggest card of all that uh, the Russell's camp played with the four possible trade partners. So, yeah, I thought I thought he handled it uh, kind of in Pete fashion, the way that he loves to do it, man. He loves to take it all in. He loves to put on a show. He loves to entertain. And I thought he did his best over the 60 minutes to do so. I'll tell you what, my favorite, my, my favorite quote that he had was, and it related to, it related to that the listing of the four potential trade destinations in which Pete talked for a while, as he tends to do, and then at the end said, yeah, we wish that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it, was, it was so, yeah, we, we, we wish that wouldn't have happened. Brock, I want to play a cut. We, we played this earlier in the show, and it was where Pete is talking about the truth and also Tell the truth. that that it wasn't it wasn't a pro- that the media problem wasn't much of a problem for him cuz he knew the truth and what i'm going to ask you after we listen to it is what you think the truth is that Pete's talking about but here is what Pete Carroll said in pointing out that this was this was largely a media issue it's a media problem Art. they were, see we, it wasn't it wasn't a problem for us because we were we knew the truth and we were con- we were in conversation to talk about stuff and so because it's in the media, there are things that we need to address with players and you know friends and stuff like that. We have to talk through stuff, and that's that's just a normal, it's a normal course, and it's nothing to be blamed on the media. It's just you guys just speculated the way you could, did the best you could with it, and and, uh, and hold nothing, to, no grudges with that at all. But um, there there are yeah there are conversations to clarify where you're coming from, so that everybody's on the same page, and that that's. If that hasn't taken place in any particular instance, it will. And for the most part, everything is very clear and very upfront. Is the truth that there was nothing wrong here and this was completely invented? Is the truth that Russell was, in fact, frustrated? Everybody was frustrated. But the frustration didn't mount to the level that there was going to be a change in his employment status. Or or is the truth that... There is a huge problem that Pete Carroll just would never talk to us about, but they've resolved it. 
The truth is, Pete owns the car and the keys, and Russell, you're not driving. <laughs> so that's the truth of it. The truth of it is, sorry, Russ and, and Mark and team, you have no say. You have no control over this. Like, that, that's the truth of it. You're not going anywhere, okay? You're, the car's not going to Chicago. It's not going to Dallas. It's not going anywhere. And and I think Pete, and he expressed this over the 60 minutes, had been in conversations with Russell, had been texting Russell, had probably met Russell, and, and made it abundantly clear that you're not going anywhere, man. You are my guy. You are frustrated. You're highly competitive. I totally get it. I am the same way. It's why we work together pretty well for a decade. But the truth is, you're not going anywhere, no matter what you do. I like that. This Papa's got the keys. No, you can't drive the car. Question two. Can we do Uber Eats? Can we do Uber Eats tonight? I'm really hungry. More of a DoorDash guy. Uh, No. No, you can't, Macy. No, and you don't have any money to order it. So, no. No, we're not doing Uber Eats. Mom made chicken and vegetables. Suck it up and eat it. What does Macy like to order from Uber Eats? She's she's my adventuresome eater now. She'll uh, really she'll do, oh yeah yeah Macy talk Thai uh, Chinese she'll do sushi she'll do she'll do anything she is uh, she is by far our most adventurous eater so it is kind of fun when she's around and we do that um, versus yeah number one that is not adventurous at all so anywho. All right. question, question two I like that that <laughs> yes, the Uber Eats is yeah <laughs> Macy you can't do that no no we're not doing that. <laughs> What does Seattle not want to happen today? Justin Fields to San Francisco, Julio Jones traded somewhere with, with within the conference. What are the nightmare scenarios? What are the doomsday scenarios we should avoid, Brock? Yeah, I think there's a couple in the division. Number one, that Arizona, that the tackles fall a little bit, and Arizona gets a Tristan Wirfs-esque player, just a cornerstone tackle for the next 10 to 15 years. So you'd love to see maybe a few of those guys go before uh, or, or likewise, maybe the top corner, uh, J.C. Horn or Sertan or one of those guys because five QBs go and, and maybe some tackles go. So that Arizona that you know really is in a position, I think, a favorable position to get a tackle or corner, that they don't get one of the top guys. There's a little run there. Uh, yeah, I, I think we have said this for the last few months. Uh, the, the one guy that I would not want to see in this division is Justin Fields. With, with that O-line, with that run game, with Shanahan's creativity and, and his movement and play action and running ability, I mean, we, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo go in a show in the building last year. You, you get him, you get after him. Mac Jones, we don't know how he's going to respond to that. Shanahan doesn't know how he's going to respond to that because he never, he, he never really had to in college. He never had to, had to face, you know, edges collapsing around him and people in his face and getting hit and just getting beat up and can that body endure and everything else. So, yeah, th- those would probably be the, the two areas that, uh, that I'd be watching tonight. And I was thinking, Danny, before I jumped on, uh, and, Paul, I wrote this little note. Wouldn't it be fascinating if Schneider and Pete put together their mock draft today? I mean, they have thousands of hours of research, and they're not picking in this first round, but they're absolutely trying to figure out where everybody's going to go, where the market's going to go, what kind of run's going to go on places. How fascinating would it be to see a schneider Carroll mock draft that they had to sit in there for 20 minutes this morning and put it together and compare and contrast that with so many of the others to try to do that job? Because I know the Graz and others hate on Daniel Jeremiah and hate on all these guys that do mocks and Mel Kuyper, and they don't know what they're doing. And blah, 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 blah. Well, what if those two that are on the inside had to do it? 
how much closer to reality would it actually be or would it continue to be the crapshoot of, of the market twisting and turning on this draft day that it typically is? He's sold. Get, get, on the, get on the horn with Schneider and have him send it over. Do it for I'd love charity, to see it. right? I mean, do it, do it for, <laughs> for Ben's fund. Like someone compete with, with 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 Schneider, right? Raise a ton of money. Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and everybody puts in a hundred bucks, and you know we'll split the pot. The winner will will it will get more than me if it's if his mock is better than mine, or however you would want to do it. I think there could be kind of a fascinating way after the draft is all done, right? I mean, they're not going to yeah. give away any trade secrets, but it would be. I think it'd be compelling and fascinating to see how much more accurately they gauge this thing versus those that are on the outside and try to spend as much time to be on the inside as they can. Question number three. Let's do a brief reenactment of something that took place in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider press conference yesterday. Hey, Pete, do you, do you have any needs in the draft, Pedro? What's going on? We're not going into the draft with with great needs and big spaces that we need to fill and and all of that because, you know, the the work that that the personnel department put together to get our guys in in positions to situate the roster so we're in a really good place. And we feel really good about that right now. So hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get some help and and, and all that. But whenever, if you can imagine, a draft pick right now, the number one pick right now played for us last year. (laughs) That's freaking great. No great needs, Brock. They already made the first round pick in Jamal mm. Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. They do have Danny's between face. between <laughs> they do have a bunch of areas of need going into this offseason, i.e. Gabe Jackson, i.e. Carlos Dunlap, i.e. Akil Witherspoon. Right? They they did address a bunch of those needs. Uh, Chris Carson coming back here. So I, I actually think and 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 would say, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. This, this is not a situation where you have a glaring, glaring hole of total inexperience, right? I mean, you've got uh, a corner coming back that you, you know, tried to, to move on from, but, you know, he's going to be fourth-year player and has an opportunity to fight for that job with Witherspoon, that, that being Trey Flowers. DJ Reed on the other side. You basically have your linebackers. KJ Wright's still available if you want him. And listening to those two yesterday, it sounded like maybe a veteran receiver, Golden Tate, maybe a linebacker, KJ Wright, on him a minimum deal are some added pieces. Offensive line, you got a lot of experienced starters, Chris Carson, your outside receivers, tight end. So, you know, from a need standpoint, I think the way he evaluates it answers that, Paul, I'm in alignment with. Like, yeah, there's not a ton of need because we've got a bunch of starters and experience coming back. Do we have to add? Oh, you better believe we do. D-tackle, cornerback, wide receiver, wherever the market kind of falls, whatever is sitting there at 56, offense tackle. Yeah, certainly there's some areas that you would love to bolster, but absolute needs – I'm, I'm with the head man on that one. I don't want to hear about how Jamal Adams is the first-round pick anymore. He's also I, the third-round pick, too, Danny. Nah, I got, I got sick of this with Dion Branch. Like, it happened. I remember Ruskell, and I was young and or dumb Percy and naive. Or Percy or yeah. Jimmy Graham. Or, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I, I've heard all of that before. I'm like, no, it's not. No, you traded that pick for a dude that you already knew. Like, Danny, don't. he's their first-round pick next year, too. No, no. See, okay, so now he's spliced into three different people. Yeah. What is he, about 15 times more expensive when it's all said and done? Yes. 10 times more expensive? It's a completely different economic yeah. mechanism yes. that is being used here. So I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't I'm, – I'm not I – f- I find that argument unpersuasive. So you didn't like it when Coach Dungy, when I got to Indy in the very first team meeting that year after I was traded, and Coach Dungy said, okay, would everybody in the draft class stand up? And Yeah, go, go ahead, Brock. You're a fifth-round pick, too. You wouldn't have liked that. I should have just oh, sat down. Oh, no. 
Good so, Lord. So, he no, did that? Tony, yeah. I'm not going to do that, Tony. I'm a veteran. Yeah. That's, good. that's exactly right. I wouldn't have done that. I'm not. Look, A, I was drafted in the third round, not the fifth round. I've been here for more than a minute. I got bet in this game. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't Can like I give that, you bro. one last quick little story? I think I've shared this with you, Danny. I know Paul hasn't heard it. We were in a similar meeting in Indy, and there was a veteran fullback. I forget his name. Man, he was feisty. Uh, he was he was an intense dude and looked like kind of like Max Strong, like he just ran into walls for 10 years of his life, right? So his whole like neck and whole thing was fused. Um, and we're sitting in there in the PA. The Players Association re- uh, reps were in there talking to us, and it was just, just the reps and the players. And one of the reps like, hey, just, just curious, how many of y'all smoke weed? And I remember this fullback, this young running back started to stand up, and the fullback like grabbed his arm. You sit down. Don't you. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you stand up. They don't need to know your personal business. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't know why I share that story, but that one's pretty memorable to me. That is hilarious. Love yes. it. Like, that's some veteran savvy. Straight Debo. Like, you sit down. <laughs> stand up. Stupid rookie. <laughs> The only way that would have been better is if he would have just open hand slap across the back of the head. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, that, like, so, sort of thunk, and he's like, ow. It's like, what, what you doing, idiot? Don't you share any of your personal stuff, <laughs> son? Uh, can't believe you put James Mongro on blast like that. Uh, gotta go. See you, boys. <laughs> Brock Hewitt is draft. Is draft analysis. Brock, we love you, man. We will talk to you next week.